Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Well, we're doing this um, series uh, entitled Five Traits of Super People. And with the whole Superman theme going on, you might ask yourself the question, what, what does it mean to be a super person? Well, I, I've got news for you. Super people are, are typically, don't take this wrong, they're not born super. There's no one in here. Now, some people think they are. They're not here today because they don't need this message because they already think they're super. But nobody is born super. We're all just born well, I won't say what we're born, but we're, we're born with sin in our lives, and we all have issues, and we all have dramas, and we all have flaws. One of the least joyful things in the world that we do is to talk about those. And yet, talking about them, some of the most redemptive things we can do is to talk about our flaws. When somebody talks about their flaws, it's really hard to slam them. Have you ever noticed that? They say what you wanted to say. Now, if you say it, it doesn't count because they've already said it. And so it's like, I was going to blast you, but you blasted yourself, and you just unload their gun right in front of them. And so it's, it's so important that we understand what sharing is and sharing our lives. So one of the traits is, is super people share. They, they share things about their lives, and they share things. And, and sharing blesses people. It informs people. It educates people. It does all kinds of things for people. It's a story of a, a country doctor that, uh, you know, he knew everybody in the county, and, and uh he delivered all the children, just an old country doctor, and he knew that one of, the, one of the residents in that county was about to give birth, and he was made aware of when he needed to be there, so he, he rides out to the, the house in the boondocks. Now, if you're listening to this and you're not from Oklahoma, you may not know what the boondocks are. <laughs> boondocks out there where there ain't nothing or nobody, hardly, and there's no electricity, <clears throat> so he rides out there, and and it's, it's getting kind of dusky dark, and, and only the mother and her five-year-old son were at the house. The father hadn't come in from the fields yet, and, and so uh, she's ready to deliver. And the, the old doc, he'd done this numerous times. He knew exactly what to do, and so he had the lantern, and he, he said to her five-year-old son, I want you to share in this experience. I want you to help me, and all you've got to do is, is hold the lantern so that I'll be able to see. And, and, and in a little bit, you're going to have a sibling. You're going you're gonna to have a brother or sister, and, and it's going to be an exciting time. So he's sharing this moment with this five-year-old child, and the mother's laboring, and she's, she's just about to, to give birth, and, and, and it wasn't any time till that baby came out, and the doctor holds it by its heels and spanks it, and it starts crying, so it gets its first breath of life. And doctor turns to the five-year-old, and he said, what do you think of that? He said, spank him again. He should never have called in there in the first place. Uh, so, great experience. You see, when you share things with people, it bonds you with people. So, you know, oftentimes we only share the wonderful things in our lives, and, and that's great. Uh, but then there are times that, that, that are more difficult, and sometimes sharing those times are the times you'll never forget. There are people in my life that have shared some of the most difficult times with me are the most special people in my life now. Because, you know, when somebody walks through stuff with you, uh, you know who they really are to you. And so it's really critical that we not discount every 
good and bad thing in our lives and allow people to share in that process. So if you would, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12 or just look up on the screen. And uh, out of the NIV, it says, share with God's people who are in need. Share with God's people who are in need. Now, I want to pause right there and because in just a moment, uh, the Apostle Paul goes on to tell us how to share. And I think this is most important, and today will be kind of a teaching lesson, and you'll see uh, the different ways that you're going to be able to share and how to share. And this is what he's writing to the church at Rome, and it says, practice hospitality, one of the ways of sharing. And you all received a community group form when you came in to fill out. This is a part of sharing, doing life together. We will get to that later, but practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do you know how hard that one verse is right there? I mean, do you want to bless somebody who just blasts you? How do you bless those who blast? That would be the question. But he says this is what you're supposed to do. Now, I'm preaching this to me, so I hope this works for you all today, because just about everything on here is addressing something in me, which is truly usually the case in most of us. We, we, if I can't preach this authentically to me, then it won't work with you. So this is, I'm sitting here going, this is tough stuff. 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. In other words, good times, bad times. Uh, participate, share in what they're going through. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Be willing to share with everyone, not just those that are equal in socioeconomic status or emotional status or condition. Share with all people. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Peace is not the result of how people treat you. Peace is the result of how you respond to how people treat you. Do you realize you can have peace without other people being peaceful? I don't think we're called to be peacemakers. I think we're called to be peacekeepers. And I'm going to keep the peace in my life if the whole world goes to hell in a handbag. Peace. And oftentimes we look at our kids and you go, boy, when they're gone, there'll be peace in the house. Not if there ain't peace in your heart. <laughs> there won't be any peace. In, 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 if they say, peace in the house is not what results in peace in the heart. Peace in the heart starts with your choice to live in peace regardless. And that's what we have to do. Is we have to des design a way in each of our lives to find peace. There will always be chaos around you. But you can't let there be chaos within you. Chaos around us does not have to infiltrate our heart or our soul. It's a choice that we make. And so for those of us who are somewhat type A, I'm not sure 9 o'clock people are type A people. <laughs> At 11 o'clock, this is a mess. You ought to come. It's really entertaining. Um, so... You know, they're the type of people that got up at 6 to mow the lawn, do the flower beds, and then they're going to come to church and dare you to tell them something they haven't already heard. So, uh, it, you know, but you're sweet people. You're, not, you're sweet people. I keep saying that because I need you to be sweet. <laughs> so, number one, share willingly. 
Don't share begrudgingly. You remember when you were a kid and you could have a sofa that was eight feet wide and there'd be three of you and for some reason you're all on the center cushion. Why? Because that's just where you want to be because everybody else is there. You don't share willingly. Your, pa- your parents come and tell you, move over, there's plenty of room, and you don't want to. And, and in the back seat, there were three of us kids. I had two brothers, so I was the middle. And, and so there was plenty of room in the back seat, but for some reason, without fail, one of us wanted to sit where the other one was sitting. We didn't want to share. Come on, man, you don't want to share. If, if, you know, your parents would buy you back in the day, you know, you'd get a bottle of Coke and say, you guys, share it. No, no, somebody's going to suck down more than somebody else. We're just not born to share because we have sin in our lives. And that S overcomes the S to share oftentimes. So we have to, we have to be willing. So what am I going to do? I'm going to share willingly. I'm going to find a way to share my life and what God has blessed me with with other people. Philippians 2.14 says, Do everything without complaining or arguing. Operative word, everything. What does it mean? Everything. It means the same thing in the Greek. Everything. Everything in our lives we need to do without complaining or arguing. That's what sharing is. I mean, when somebody shares with you, you go, I don't want to, but here, take it. Do you feel the love? Absolutely not, because you don't sense this willingness in their heart to allow you to participate in what they've been blessed with. So if you, you, know, if you can't share with a willing heart, how much of a blessing is it really? As a matter of fact, people feel like they owe you. And sharing is not about keeping score. If you're keeping score, is it really, 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 truly sharing? In my estimation, I don't want someone sharing with me that's always going to remind me that they shared with me. I have a a very, very, very dear friend, love him with everything in me. But if he ever shares anything with you, he tells everybody. If he ever gives you anything, he tells everybody, I gave that to them when they see it. It's like, I'm going to give this back to you. If If this is all about you building yourself up. I don't want it. So sharing is, is an act of humility. It, it's, it's an act of humility. Super people share. Give you that You're going to get this. There'll be three W's. Making this real easy for you. They share their words openly. Now when I say that, some people feel very compelled to um, want to fix your life. And they they use these words, constructive criticism. The fact that the word criticism is in there should tell you enough. Constructive criticism. So I'm going to go with it and say we can continue to use that because it is somewhat true. Let me tell you what constructive criticism is. It's, if you will, criticism at the request of the person being spoken to. So if I ask you a question... So women, if you ever ask your husband, does this dress make me look fat? You ask the question. If you want an answer that's truthful, then be willing for him to say, well. And you can finish the sentence. But you ask. So if you don't ask, he shouldn't tell. And you can just guess throughout the day. And if he doesn't say that really slims you, 
Take it to a consignment store. Sometimes silence will tell you everything. You see, destructive criticism happens when people speak words that have not been asked. You have not been asked. How many of you know that we're very tempted to give our opinion? I don't know why that is, but we're very opinionated by, by nature. Have you ever noticed that, or is it just me? I know at least there's one in every family and one in every marriage that one of you just can't shut up. It's not going to happen. You're going to give your opinion because you just can't take it anymore. You're going to say what you want to say. You cannot take it. So I'm sharing this today because I want you to be willing to say, I'm not going to share things that are unsolicited about somebody else. When I got ready to start this church, I didn't know if people were going to hit me, hate me, or love me. And I did have people come to a couple of information meetings just to tell me how bad I was. No, it was interesting. And I just looked, I smiled, and I thought, you're probably not going to be attending here, but I'm sure right now you're feeling better. (laughs) So give it your best shot. I'll still be standing here when you walk out the door. You know, there just comes, I I didn't ask, tell me what you think about me. (laughs) You never want to do that in my position. So if any of you have a word for me, talk to Jesus about it and tell him to send me a message. (laughs) Because I'm not soliciting opinions. I don't ask a lot of questions. How was the message? Don't want to know. Don't want to know. If somebody doesn't say it was good, I'm just going to leave it right there. Silence is really golden moving up to platinum. I'm telling you, it's great. Sometimes when people don't say anything, it's the best thing they can say. It's nothing. Secondly, super people share their wealth cheerfully. Super people are sharing people. They just are. They can't help themselves. They're not stingy. They're sharing. Super people share their wealth. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly. This is, this is not sharing if you're doing it reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Charity is not giving what you have no use for anymore. Charity, actually charitable giving is a sacrifice. I mean, come on, folks, can can we just get real? I mean, I love to give, I really do, but my human nature would go, I could have sure used that. I could have used that. The other day, we were sitting in a restaurant restaurant with my daughter, and uh, this couple, precious couple, came up to me. I, I... didn't know who they were, or just it was they were sitting in a booth, and she actually gets up and she's Pastor Mark. It's very sweet, very sweet. And and I of course at that time I, I still am a little bit like <laughs> and so I'm like, I never know what's about to come my way, you know. It's like I want to go around wearing a hockey mask. Uh, and so, but she was very sweet and just greeted me, and they sat back down, and they were there when we walked in, and Victoria and I are sitting, we eat, and uh we took our time, and um, they were still sitting there. And I felt like the Lord said to me, I want you, if they're still there, when you're done, I want you to buy their breakfast. And I thought, I sure heck hope they didn't order steak and eggs. Uh, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, you ever ask that God tells you to do something, you're going like, let me check what they're eating, you know, and see what they ordered. 
before I think, get thee behind me, Satan, or yes, Lord. Uh, you know, you don't know which one it is. And so, sure enough, Victoria and I, I'm, I mean, I'm really taking my time because God said if they're still there, pick up their bill. I'm waiting on them to leave. Talk to me, Victoria. Talk to me. Keep on talking, you know. But they were still there. So, I just, they were right in line with our table. So, I just walked by and I grabbed their ticket. I didn't even ask them. And she like, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. And, and I thought, yeah, I can. I can. Now, I got to be honest with you, I wanted to, but my flesh didn't want to. I wanted to obey the Lord, but didn't want to share in that moment. But you know what? Once you do it, you feel liberated. It's a, it's a liberating feeling when you give cheerfully. Now, I say that to boast about me. I just say that to be honest with you, that our flesh doesn't like doing most things that line up with the Word of God. I just, I, we just don't. I mean, maybe some of you are real righteous and spiritual, and you won't even die. You'll just be carried up in a chariot. I don't know. Or a Maserati in this day. That would be it. I mean, they were taken to heaven in a Ferrari, you know. <laughs> that would be kind of like the way it would be nowadays. It would not be a fiery chariot. You know, it would be a red-hot Ferrari. So. so, Billy Graham put it this way. God has given us two hands, one to receive and the other to give to others. We are not cisterns made for hoarding. We are channels made for sharing. If we fail to fulfill this divine duty and privilege, we have missed the meaning of Christianity. Take it up with Billy Graham. But I agree with him. We've missed it. If, if we cannot share a portion of our wealth. Super people share their wisdom clearly. And wisdom is, you know, comes to us, us in different areas, in different categories. There are people wise about certain things that maybe you're not wise about, that I'm not wise about. And, and uh, it really... Ask yourself the question right now, what do I have in my life that I could share with others that might be of benefit to them? And that's not constructive criticism. It's not about, about them. It's about knowledge that you possess. Wisdom is, is the application of knowledge. Remember this. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. That's really all wisdom is, is that you heard something and then you acted on it. That's wisdom. So if you know that, that there's always a police officer sitting at a certain location, you have that knowledge, it would be wise of you to slow down when you go by there. Have you ever noticed that certain police officers gravitate to hot spots where they can give you tickets? Okay, it's just me. I'm driving. You guys know me. Everything I think about is speeding, okay? So I know where they sit, and I'm not going to go fast, all right? So that's, that's called wisdom. So there's a guy named Jack, and a handsome man, he... He walked into this sports bar at 9.58 p.m., and he went to the bar and obviously gravitated toward the beautiful blonde. And if you're a blonde, please forgive me especially. Uh, this is just humor. It's all it is. Don't blow me up. I'm not soliciting your response to how you like this or don't like this. Uh, so anyway, he sits down next to this blonde, and at 9.58 at 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock news comes on. And news, uh, the, the news crew's out. Uh, reporting on this story, a man standing on a ledge threatening to jump. And the blonde turns to this handsome man named Jack, and she says, well, do you think he's going to jump? He looks at her, and he says, matter of fact, I do, and I'll bet you that he does. And so Jack pulls his wallet out, puts $30 on the counter, on the bar, and <clears throat> about the time she is pulling her wallet out, she puts the $30, her 30 on the counter, the man does a swan dive falling to his death. Bond looks at Jack and says, well, fair is fair. Here's my $30. And she pushes it toward him. And he said, no, I can't, I can't, I can't take your money. He said, uh, I saw this on the 5 o'clock news. 
She said, so do I, but I didn't think he'd jump again. So anyway. <laughs> it's been great knowing all you blondes. Uh, so. See, sometimes we're just a little uptight. We could, that could apply to brunettes or anything else. It's just, you, you get it, okay. Take a pause. Work it out with Jesus. <laughs> Secondly, super people share gladly, gladly, gladly. Glad to be able to do something. Uh, a thousand candles can be lit from a single candle, and the life of the candle will not be shortened. Happiness never decreases by being shared. You will never lose joy by sharing joy. You will never lose happiness by sharing happiness. Let me take it a step further. You will never lose wealth by sharing wealth. You will never lose. You cannot outgive God. As a matter of fact, if you have a bag of seed, if you were a farmer and you had a bag of seed in your garage, it was the last bag of seed you had, and you knew that there was a famine and you knew that there was going to be a drought in the land, and you kept the seed in your garage, there's a 100% chance that you're not going to get a harvest. But if instead of cratering to fear, you choose to take that last bag of seed and, and pray and put it out in the ground, there's a chance for harvest. A lot of people have savings accounts and retirement accounts, and, and they're letting the seed sit in those places, and they never give anything but when the day comes and the drought comes and the rain stops falling, there is no hope. But at least if you put the seed out there, there is hope. So super people share gladly. So here are the three T's. Super people share their time. Now, when I say this, this will preach better today than ever before because for some reason with all the technology that we have, uh, that, that's supposed to be used to reduce time. I mean, let's start with microwaves. Used to, you know, it'd take however many minutes to cook a meal. You can pop something in the microwave, you have a pizza done in three minutes and 30 seconds, depending on the power of the microwave. So now we've got all this time. You can, you know, you can, you can use iPads for anything. You can turn on your alarm system. You can open gates in another state or another country. I mean, you can, you can do all these incredible things, and yet we find ourselves really being stingy with our time, not because we don't want to share it with others, because we're sharing it with our iPhone, our iPad, our computer. I knew it would get even quieter. <laughs> because the reality is, when we, this, and I'm, I'm just telling you, I told you I'm preaching this to me, and, and the same day I was at breakfast with Victoria, uh, we're sitting there, and she's got, of course, nowadays, you know, kids, they've got their iPhones, she's got hers, i got mine. And I'm sitting there, and I, I realized... I am a little bit of a cell addict. I don't know if you are. I, I, I'm a news junkie. I kind of like to follow some posts here and there and what people are saying. And, and I don't know why. It's just like, you know, it's just stuck to my hand. And can I tell you something? Sharing space doesn't mean you're sharing time. Sitting in the living room and both of you have your computer out and you say, let's spend time together. You're both on the computer. You're not spending time together. You're sharing space. That's what you're doing. It's all you're doing. So we, we don't understand what sharing time is anymore. I'm not old enough for this, but I can tell you my dad was. There were no TVs, and when TV came out, there was ABC, NBC, and CBS. At best, there was almost nothing on. So families were forced to talk. And now we don't talk. Oh, yeah, we do all the time. No, you text. 
and little emojis and you try to express yourself through an emoji and I mean I, I don't get this I hate it I've got carpal thummel You know, I, I can, it's funny, you can call somebody. Have you, have you ever tried this call to a 20-year-old? Call them, they don't answer. Text them, and they're right back at you. Why do you pick up the phone? They don't want to talk to you. I asked somebody the question. I said, what's all this texting? Well, I have time to think before I respond. I'm thinking, but a part of the fun of relationship is making mistakes and having to apologize. Part of the fun of talking, we say things we shouldn't have said, and it creates warmth and intimacy because, well, I'm so sorry I said that. If you're so calculated by texting, then, then it's like you became a machine and you want perfection. The beauty of relationship is loving people who get stupid. It is. That's a part, one of the wonderful things about having a relationship. Look at Peter and Jesus. They didn't text. Jesus, i got to be careful how I respond to Peter, you know. No, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm like, Jesus, bring it on. Come on. People think Jesus didn't have an edge. Man, he was sharp. I love it. I'm, I, I'm real confident I'll go to heaven because Jesus has never called me Satan. And Peter's up there with him right now. Guaranteed. Share time. Put your cell phone down. I'm going to do, I, at some point, I've got to do a whole series on this. Electronic Christianity. It's like we're removing ourselves from other people for fear of getting too close because we don't want to get hurt. If you've got a guard up with other people because you're fear, you're, you have fear of being hurt again, you're going to live a lonely, lonesome life because a part of relationships are born out of trust and pain that bring us closer together when we work through it all. We avoid hurt. We avoid pain. We avoid being vulnerable. We avoid intimacy all in the name of self-preservation. I'll never love again. I'll never marry again. I'll never do all those things again because I've been hurt. Join the human race. Reality is that we need to be thinking how much time we're spending with other people building relationships that will last forever. And sometimes those are messy. A friend is someone who walks into your life when everybody else walks out. It's that old saying. When everybody else walks out, there's somebody who walks into your life. And I don't think most people are mean. I think most people are scared. We think everybody's mean. I don't think people are mean at all. I just think most people are scared. They're scared of, of being touched by your hurt, by your pain, by whatever's going on in your life. And folks, you don't have to have an answer for everybody's question. And you don't have to have a solution for everybody's suffering. You simply need to be present. That's what it means to, to be a super person. Say, I'm just going to spend some time with you. Secondly, super people share their talents. This was something that back in the day used to happen with regularity. Um... My dad was one of the most crafty men I've ever met. I mean, he could do anything. He could rebuild engines. He could build houses. He, I got none of his genes. Not only can I not build a house, I can hardly clean one. You know, I just didn't get that gift. But my dad wouldn't talk in front of five people, and he didn't get this one. Okay, so anyway. Uh, 
See, we've all got our little thing that we do well. We've got our, our little stuff. And, and so, but you have a talent. Ask yourself the question, what have I done with the talents God's given me to help somebody else? Because nowadays we're so aware of money that, that we charge people for everything. And, uh, you know, I've been very blessed to have some very special people that have helped me through a very tough, shared their expertise with me. And, and helped me through a very difficult time. And they, they, they did it pro bono. That's lawyer talk. Anyway, uh, very grateful because they had something they could share with me that I, I had no clue about, but they gladly shared that with me. So ask yourself the question, what have I shared with someone else that, that's a part of the talent that God's given me. And, and I know what the Bible talks about talents being kind of money. I'm talking about secular talents, gifts that God has put in your life. And I needed to use a T, so I had to use talent. Uh, preachers have to adjust things to fit into the sermon. Anyway, so, but it is a secular talent. And that's what most people need. Uh, super people share truth. And this is very, very hard um, because uh, truth cuts two ways. And, and sometimes it cuts away. Uh, for people who are willing to hear truth, it cuts away the, the, the stuff that's hanging on to them, that's preventing them from being everything they want to be. And, and, and then sometimes truth just cuts. And they try to sew back on uh, the things that, that are holding them down. They're used to it. They're comfortable with whatever it is that's anchoring them to sin or their past. And so they don't want to hear truth. But truly, uh, people who love uh, share truth. Andy Rooney put it this way, people who will generally accept facts as truth only if the facts agree with what they already believe. Only if the facts agree with what they already believe. So some people don't like truth. So if I were to come in here, and, and you know, in the church world, historically, there are topics that are off limits. One of those is wealth. It's off limits. So today you got seasoned with that. Okay, just a seasoning, and that's typically okay because it's just a little flavor. But if, if, a, if somebody comes in and teaches on uh, uh, wealth and how to gain wealth and how to have success, there will be a group of people that, that will say, well, that's all the church talks about. No, that's, you know how many credit card applications I get every week? I can't move enough times to keep them from coming to my mailbox. You know, you can't get all the mail you want, but somehow credit card companies find you. And, and then they tell you, uh, and, and you, pay monthly, you, know, you can pay monthly. Well, if you don't, the, the rest that you don't pay is like 21% that you have to pay interest on that. They want you. They want you. Then lastly, share deeply. In other words, don't just live life on the surface. If you live life on the surface, you'll just get surface things. And, and we have to go deeper, and, and this is the challenge is that when you start going deeper with someone, there's always that risk of feeling like you won't be accepted when they find out who the real you is. And, and after my last two-year situation, I don't care. <laughs> it's like you just go, we, we, we build these walls around our lives to protect ourselves. And while we're protecting ourselves, we're missing the beauty of everything outside that. Oftentimes the question is, you know, will this person hurt me again? My answer 100% of the time is yes. Will they mean to hurt you again? Probably not, but they will. 
So if your whole goal in life is to not be hurt, you're going to live a life filled with hurt. Hurt from being alone, hurt from not trusting, hurt from not being vulnerable. What we have to do is with every hurt, grow bigger and better as a result of that hurt. Because the reality is no one can truly offend you or hurt you without your permission. Now, when I say that, there's not totally true because you can be stung and feel a little pain, but then the minute you think like Jesus and you go, God, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Now, that, that changes everything. All of a sudden, <clears throat> it doesn't sting so bad if in your heart you can realize that's really not their intent. And you know what I've come to realize, as I said, I just don't think people most of the time want to intentionally hurt you. They just want you to see their hurt. And the only way they know to do that is to hurt you. So they're putting on you what's in them. That's really all they're doing. So if I want to hurt someone, it's an indication that I myself am hurting. And I don't have the humility to ask you to hurt with me. So what I do is I try to hurt you... And I bring you into my world by inflicting the pain that's in me on you. And now I have required of you to come into my world. Instead of saying, you know what, and this is what I learned. And a lot of this I share with you. And I try to toe the line a little bit because I don't want this to be all about me. But one of the things I learned in my life for the last two years is I never used the word hurt. Matter of fact, you could not hurt me. Because I grew up in a tough neighborhood. And if a guy ever said you hurt, you, you got hurt even more somebody's going to beat the out of you for saying that as a guy so you just said nobody can hurt me I'm impenetrable I'm tough I'm that you know what anger is a secondary emotion it's not a primary emotion so if somebody ever says they're mad at you there's some emotion behind that anger that they're not sharing I'm hurt I'm frustrated I'm wounded whatever the emotion might be the truth is anybody who's angry that's just the surface of what's going on inside them so if somebody ever gets angry, realize this. Just ask them, say, do you hurt? So I realized in my life I had a lot of hurts that had gone unaddressed. They were underneath all the anger in my life. And now I can easily say, you know, that hurt me. And it, it, just, it, it feels a little funky yet, kind of like learning second language. You know, did I say that right? Was that the right word? And so share deeply. There's a difference in intimacy and familiarity. I think a lot of couples are familiar with one another, but they're not intimate with one another. Uh, being familiar with someone is I know about them. It doesn't mean I know them. I'm familiar with their habits. I'm familiar with their behavior. I'm familiar with their responses. But it doesn't mean I know them because if I'm only familiar with their reactions and their behavior and those kinds of things, I know what they do, but I don't know why they do them. Intimacy says this is why they behave this way. If someone was abused as a child and you know that, then you would have a different response to how they behave because you understand why they behave that way. It brings a lot more understanding and sympathy that cre and empathy that produces intimacy in that relationship that allows you and empowers you to give a proper response to what they're feeling. So share deeply. I'm going to ask you a tough question. These are just some things I want you to go home with. First off, I ask you, what have you done to share your talent? If you're a carpenter, have you helped someone repair something in their home? If you're an electrician by trade and you have a friend, have you shared that freely? 
But intimately, do you know, and this is probably going to cause some trouble when, in couples when you go home. What, what, what is it that your spouse likes you to do more than anything else? What's their favorite color? What's their favorite food? What's their favorite song? Do they like their shoulders rubbed versus their feet? It's because some people don't like their feet rubbed because their feet are gross. Just so you'll know, so if your wife doesn't get all excited about you rubbing her feet, is there something else? You know, you might want to ask that question. Uh, do you know those things? And I used to say, simple. Is it really simple? And, and then the next question is, is it important? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's very important for us to have an understanding of what's going on in the heart and mind of the people we're closest to. Ask questions. Ask questions. Have conversation. Turn off the cell phones. Turn off the iPads. Turn off the computer. Turn off TV. Have conversation. What a novel idea. I've learned this. I've learned a lot. I have two degrees, three degrees. I'm still learning. Matter of fact, I'm getting my doctorate. It's like I am like wanting to say, God, now I want, I, I'm, I'm on a quest to do my last lap better than I've ever done any lap. As a runner, it's most impressive when the, the, when the final lap of the race, if you ever watch the, I love the Olympics, so you guys have to forgive me in August. I, I, I will be zoned out. I will be up until 3 a.m. I am an Olympic addict. I confess it. And now you say, thank you for sharing. Because uh, I am. And so the fact is, when you see them accelerate in that last lap, that's where you win. You don't win in the first lap. You don't win in the second lap. It's the last lap. And you know what? I don't know how old I'm going to live to be, but this is my last lap. And it's going to be my best lap. And you, and you, you want to, you, you, we just want to run this race together and say, you know what? We're going to run the best lap we've ever run. Super people share their hurts with God and with others. Now, the Bible often to me can be contradictory. Jesus said, don't worry about any, don't worry about tomorrow if it has enough, you know, worries of its own. Don't worry about it. Let me say something to you. Sharing true hurt is not communicating worry. It's communicating hurt. And most of the time, we don't, we don't want to share our hurts. And, and there are some people, you need, to, you need to dial it down. Having a conversation with you is like, you hurt all the time. Go find somebody else because my hurt meter's broke. I mean, I, I can't do this anymore. So I'm not talking about every time you have a conversation it's an organ recital, you know. Whatever's going wrong in your body, whatever organs out of sync, you know, you're playing it, you know. I, I had a cousin like that. It's like, dear Jesus, don't let, don't let her call me. And now with all the caller ID stuff, you can dodge all that. Anyway, <clears throat> so anyway, there is a, a, a time and a place, and there are a couple of scriptures. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, then he laid down his life for his friends. Uh, when you hurt with somebody, there's a part of you that's saying, I'm laying my life down with your life that has been laid down, put down. And, and we have to share in those hurts. In Romans 12, 14 through 16, out of the Message Bible, it says, Bless your enemies, no cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Another confession, since I didn't know how to hurt or let others know 
I hurt. I didn't do a really good job of hurting with people. Just didn't. Because to me, uh, you know, in my neighborhood, if you cut yourself, you got a piece of duct tape. You didn't even get a nice, clean Band-Aid. It's just duct tape. And that was to try to hold the cut together, man. That's what it was. I didn't know how to hurt with people because I couldn't even acknowledge that I hurt. Well, you know what? You're probably not going to help hurting people if you're not willing to, to hurt too. It's called empathy and, and being able to connect with them. So don't be afraid. Now, you have to be somewhat selective because there are people who will take that hurt and they will share it with everybody else. And, and that's not what I'm talking about. This is not about gossip. This is about having intimate relationships, deep relationships with people, and being willing to do life together. And, and being sensitive to who those people are. But please do not be a fortress. If you are a fortress, impenetrable, you will live a long, lonesome life. And as a pastor, I live in a fishbowl, lived in a fishbowl for 30 years. Actually, for a long time, lived in an aquarium. And now I'm in a fishbowl. <laughs> You'll get it in about 10 minutes. Um, and and, and you, you swim to the beat of the music of those looking. You feel like you're a whale at SeaWorld. Behind the scenes during the week, you're taught what to do, and then when everybody shows up, you do it. And that's not living. That's called captivity. And I'm going to screw up, and unfortunately, the world's going to know it this time. Like, because every week, I screw up. I mean, I screwed up the schedule next week. I jacked it up bad. And I just, so it's, and that's my fault. Now, I used to have 10 staff I could blame that on, or at least act like it wasn't me, but it was me. <laughs> so, you know, so next week, we're going to take a lemon, we're going to put some sugar in it, and we're going to drink lemonade, because we're going to, you know, that's what we're going to do. And five of you are happy with that. So, I do appreciate that very much. Share your hurts, share your heart. Remember when Jesus went and Lazarus was dead and Mary and Martha came out, they were freaked out. Jesus didn't go, hey, 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 chill. I am the son of God. I raised anybody from the dead I want to raise. It's going to happen. Suck it up. Because that's what we would do. Jesus, no, if I had the power of Jesus, I'd say, hey, woman, why are you crying? Don't you love me? Don't you trust me? Don't you know that I can fix your problem? No, Jesus didn't go to the fix. See, we always want to go to the fix. That way, we don't have to address the pain. We don't have to identify with the hurt. We don't have to identify with the suffering. Why? Because we got the answer. And Jesus is the answer. That's what we say. But Jesus said, in this moment, it's not about what I can do. It's about what they feel. Now, isn't that a cool thought? Jesus could have fixed the problem but said no. He said, right now, I'm going to weep with her. Shortest scripture in the Bible, Jesus wept. And some of the most powerful words, Jesus wept, which mean, meant that Jesus didn't even have his eyes on what he could do. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus, but he didn't play that card. He went where Martha was. He went where Mary was. He went with their suffering, with their hurt, with their pain. He connected his heart to their heart. 
people like me, I'm a fix-it guy. And, and before I ever even hear what you heard about, I got, I got the answer, and I'm going to tell you the answer, so stop your crying. Because aren't we uncomfortable with tears? Women may not be, but men are paralyzed by tears. Our greatest fears are tears. And so we always got to fix it. It's a testosterone-produced response. Trouble is a part of life. Listen to this. This is maybe one of the most powerful things that I will say. If you don't share it, trouble, you don't give the person who loves you a chance to love you enough. This ought to go on our refrigerators. If you don't share trouble, you don't give the person who loves you a chance to love you enough. Hmm. That's even better right now than it was this morning at 6 a.m. That's kind of like pizza. It's better the second day. Cold. Super people share their harvest. And I'm not going to have time to share this one. If you go to Ruth chapter 2 and, you know, Boaz and her had this connection. And back in the day, uh, they, they were called gleaners. They could glean from the, uh, the wheat that fell on the ground, but they couldn't get it off the stalk. And so, uh, in this case, he knew that Ruth was needy, and, and, and he told his people, even knock some more off so she can have his harvest. It wasn't something he was going to make money on that moment. It was about, this is what happens, and I want you to share in the overflow, Ruth, of what I'm experiencing. How many people are sharing in the overflow of what you're experiencing, what I'm experiencing? And I'll close with this. Sharing kills the disease of selfishness that resides in all of us. Sharing kills the disease of selfishness that resides in all of us. Search for ways to share. Don't wait on them to come to you. Super people are sharing people. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have today to share time together on this Sunday morning and enjoy each other. So, Lord, today we, as I've already spoken on super people or surrendered people, we surrender our lives to be able to share our lives and overcome the sin that wants to dominate our lives. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, we always want to give people an opportunity to know Jesus. And for those of you here today that may not know Jesus, it's a very simple prayer. And we're going to pray this prayer right now. And those of you who don't know Christ, and pray this for the first time, will become a believer, a Christian. And so all of you pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your son to die for my sins. Jesus, today, I confess with my mouth, you are the Lord of my life. And I believe in my heart that I am saved. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.